We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Ty Windish, and I'm joined, as always, by my fabulous co-host, Rohan Kadi. Rohan, you are truly fabulous as we get done covering another NBA season together. I know that for sure now. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing well. It's it's funny you put it that way. I didn't really think about that until you said it. It's uh, This is, what, officially the second regular season done? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you came out of the pod right before the last regular season. I believe. Yes. Yes. And now here is, uh, this is number two, year two in the books. Uh, we're coming up on a familiar playoff matchup here. We're going to get to, although it wasn't the first round matchup in year one, but yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting to be in this playoff space again. I feel like I'm almost already nervy, which probably shouldn't happen for a team this good in the first round, but that's just where we're at. Um, how are you feeling uh, first just about Milwaukee's season as a whole? I mean, we're always so focused on, you know, the playoffs, the matchup, what's going to happen, what should they have done, everything else. And please, everyone in the chat here on Locker Room, we are live on Locker Room, continue to share your takes on the season and everything else as well. But uh, Rohan, I want to hear from you. You know, this regular season, the Bucks are going to finish – 46 or 47 wins out of 72, third in the Eastern Conference. How do you feel about this year? I feel I feel good. I feel better than I have about this team in the last two seasons. Given a lot of that is hindsight, uh, we we know how the previous two seasons have ended in this era under Mike Boonholzer. 
I think this team is the most playoff ready it has been in this era, which is why I feel really good about it. The personnel sort of fits what they want to do. It all fits around Giannis. There's, there are flaws, obviously. No NBA team is perfect or can be perfect. But I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about this team. It's been a it's been a roller coaster, I can say, of a regular season. There hasn't been as much winning as there has been in years past. There's been a lot of, you know, ups and downs, losing streaks, injuries, um, you know, just just everything. And plus it's a weird season overall, just a general for the NBA. But I feel good. I feel like they use the regular season how we were wanting them to use the regular season. Uh, leading up to it, we were talking about how we wanted to see a lot more experimentation, uh, a lot more schematic adjustments. And we saw that uh, at points during the season a lot more than we have usually, which was uh, a grand total of zero times basically in the last <laughs> two years. But we saw it uh, more and more this season, which is what we wanted. So I am feeling pretty satisfied with this regular season. Yeah, I think I agree. Um, you know, I maybe doesn't count, and it's such an obvious answer, but of course, Giannis signing right before, quite nice. I think made this regular season a, lead, leagues, is it leagues? I think that's an old unit of measurement. Leagues more enjoyable than it would have been had he not put pen to paper the Drew Holiday contract extension and just having Drew around, I think has really helped kind of spice things up a little bit, both in terms of like, yes, it's nice that they're better now and more equipped for the playoffs, but also just like Drew is delightful. I think the story broke today that he and, and Lauren Holiday are giving millions more dollars to black-owned businesses and other initiatives. And it's just like, this is something I was thinking about today. Like, it's just, we're, I feel we're lucky that we get to root for players on this team, especially like the core players, Giannis and Drew and Chris, who are just like very easy to root for uh, on and off the court. Chris sometimes not the easiest on the court, but off the court, nothing, nothing to worry about. Um, and Giannis and Drew especially are just like just some of the the most wholesome, great people. So I think that that was a cool part of it. But I certainly agree. Like seeing the switching has been nice. Drew moments have been phenomenal. I've really enjoyed those. So you know, on the whole, a frustrating season. And I see uh, Justin weighed in and, and said that it's, you know, we've said here on the pod before, there's a chance that, you know, some of these mistakes that we yelled about end up rearing their head in the playoffs. We'll see if that comes to comes to fruition or not. I'm going with some weird phrases uh, on this episode so far. But um, amidst the frustration, I do think I, I feel good about the season. I think if the Nets weren't in the East, I think we would all feel even better about this year as like as opposed to past years. Because so I think the Bucks got better. I just think the talent around them in the conference also got better, which is a little tough, but just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, for sure. I was thinking about this uh, earlier today. Is I was comparing this team with the 18-19 team, sort of mm. thinking like, oh, which which team was really equipped more? And you can look back at that team theoretically – it was better suited for the playoffs because it had a lot more depth. I wouldn't say better suited for the playoffs, but like a better overall team. The thing is, I'm glad you hit on it. The competition in the East was just so much lower. That year, that was the first year that LeBron wasn't in the East and everyone was like, oh, what are we going to do now? The Sixers weren't ready. Um, the Celtics were the Celtics. Uh, it was uh, It was a rough experience in the Eastern Conference. There was really only Milwaukee and Toronto who could come out of it realistically. And it ended up being those two teams in the conference finals. And obviously Toronto won that series. 
I do think this team, this Bucks team, is probably more equipped for the playoffs than that team, like I mentioned up top. It's just the competition is so much steeper. Philly has arrived, though I'm not super scared of them. We've talked on that on previous episodes. It's just Brooklyn is really good, and you do have that Miami element, whether it's just uh, like just a fear factor of last year or not. We're, we'll get into that. Yeah. But there's just an overall competition level that's been raised this season in the Eastern Conference that makes it difficult to see the Bucks as like a true like, okay, this team is here. Especially like we talked about earlier, they didn't win as much in the regular season. They're the three seed now. Uh, they've been the one seed the last two years. So it's a little more difficult to see them as a true like legitimate, okay, we can win this thing. Especially with a super team like Brooklyn out there like we just talked about. But it's, I don't know, I feel, I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, I am too. Also, I still think that 2018-19 team is like, there's one spot on the depth chart that they are deeper that you could argue. And, and, and not depth chart, like the if you just list out all the players. And really not even, like Giannis still there, Chris still there. The third best guy now is Drew, who's way better than whoever you want to say out of Bledsoe, Lopez, Brogdon was the third guy then. And then if you if you level it up from there, Lopez is still fourth. And then fifth is like, I'll take Portis over Bledsoe, Miritich. I guess George Hill, maybe there's a case. It's I, I don't think the Bucks are much less deep than they've been in years past. Like if you look at all the names on the roster in these other years, it's not like you're not reading off like, you know, a ton of great wing players or something like, you know, Miritich was Miritich, Pat C still here, George Hill, pretty good. Ersan, Sterling Brown, who never got to play Tony Snell, who frustratingly never got to play. So I, I don't, I, it's just something that's, you said depth and I, I felt triggered because I just, I, I continue to say the depth is not that much different this year and for the years past, but no, I think they are more equipped for the playoffs for sure. I want to talk about the Saturday night decision, Rohan. I think this is something we weighed in on in a couple different podcasts. This is something that it was really probably the most controversial Bucks thing of the last few days. I mean, outside of, you know, the question of the heat matchup in itself, but I think more of a lightning rod was, Milwaukee being able to, to a certain extent, dictate who they would play, if they would play Miami in the first round this year, or would they try to dodge them by punting last night's game instead of tonight's game uh, against Chicago, which just doesn't matter at all. But we, I think, both agreed the Bucks should not punt that game. Play the starters, play the guys, play to win that Miami game and let the chips fall as they may. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. One, basketball gods not wanting to frustrate them, which the Clippers clearly don't care about that. But it, we see how things usually work out for the Clippers. So it's, it's, I feel like that's a point for us right there. Also, two was still in play. It wasn't greatly in play, but it was still in play if Cleveland had somehow beat the Nets. So I think that was definitely a factor in my thinking as well. And then I think just third, and this is the one I think people are gravitating toward the most. I think it's a bad look if you're the three seed and you're the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis and you're so shook by that heat series last year that you are like tanking a game blatantly 
to try and dodge them. You know, again, a team trying to like get up to fifth in the standings around fifth or sixth. I just think if you can't beat this heat team, then what's the point of getting any seed? Cause you're going to run into a team you're going to lose to in the first or second round. Anyway, you, you can say matchups are what they are, but I, I, I really struggle to see uh, a reality where the Bucks are good enough to legitimately beat the Brooklyn Nets, but not good enough to at least take out the heat in a long series. What are your thoughts on the whole decision to play or not to play and that last part in particular? I think it was a good call to play your guys. Like you said, it's good that, you know, you don't want to come out there and duck matchups because let's say it does happen even if you intentionally lose that game and then you're playing the Heat and they're already in your head because you tried to duck them uh, getting into this matchup. But also it's, like you mentioned, two was still in play. Uh, No thank you to you, Cleveland. Um, But (laughs) that didn't work out. Very disappointing. Very disappointing. Honestly, like I had some hope considering it was like a single digit game in somewhat. Was it the third quarter still or the second quarter? I think third. Yeah. Like they, they still had some light, but no, the Cavs had incentive to lose. The Nets had incentive to win. Um, so they didn't end up getting two, but they still had that chance, like you mentioned, which is good. You want to. So if you lose that game against Miami, there's no shot at two whatsoever. So you got to go out there, get that dub, make sure you put yourself in the best position possible. I'm all for, you know, so, sort of avoiding matchups if you can, but only if you're winning games to do so. Yeah. Like you said, the basketball gods have not been kind to teams who have tried to duck matchups in the past. Uh, aka the Nuggets from two years ago, the Clippers might uh, face that this season, like you mentioned. It just does not work out for those teams. It's just, I'm I'm glad Milwaukee did it. You need to assert your dominance. If you wanted to win the title this season, which is what this team wants to do, you're going to need to beat Brooklyn. You're going to need to beat Philly or the Wizards, depending on who wins that first round matchup. Not sold yet. Uh, <laughs> but both like all of those teams are a more difficult team than Miami. So if you have aspirations to win a title, you're going to need to beat those teams. You should be able to handle Miami. If you can't beat the heat, you were not going to win the title anyway. So that's my rationale. Yeah. And you know what? The, uh, the Knicks barely held on against the depleted Celtics today. And everything could have happened the exact same. And if the Knicks happened to lose that game, Miami would have ended up fifth anyway. So I just think, or yeah, fourth or fifth anyway, whichever. But I just think it's, it's easy to, to overthink these things. Um, And I'm not saying people overthought the things and everything else, but um, it's just like, I just don't understand. Like if you really think they're going to lose to the heat, that's just what I'm getting stuck on with this is like, what is like what how well could they possibly do in the rest of the postseason? And like we wanted the the easier road too and everything else, but you know, Spo is a great coach. Coaching should not be that much of an outsized impact on a playoff series. If one team is clearly better, I, I think coaching should only be able to to impact a little bit. So I mean I get it. I think the Heat are great boogeymen that they, they love this role. I, I I know they love this role. Uh, and they're good at playing it, but I, I I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see the series. I do think um, 
the one, I guess, nice thing, right, will be either they win and, and exercise a demon or they lose. And I just think there's no possible cover for Bud sticking around if he zero if they lose. They zero just can't, it can't happen, right? I mean, we said this last year, too, which makes me always cringe and, and doubt a little bit. But there's absolutely no cover, is there? No, none whatsoever, especially because we had that Shams report. What was that, like a week ago now? I don't know what time is. Uh, <laughs> he's on the hot seat. I uh, know. But, yeah, he's on the hot seat. And if they don't – if this team just loses in the first round, take out any other context whatsoever about this team, about its years past. If you – We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are a contender and you lose in the first round, something drastic has to happen, right? That's how the NBA works. So, even if you're not this team where you've had like coaching missteps cost you some games and series in previous postseasons, you should do something. And especially with this team with its history, there is zero cover, like you mentioned, whatsoever. If Mike Budenholzer has a job with the Milwaukee Bucks after. If they lose in the first round, that would just be the most astonishing thing to ever happen. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Cameron here in the chat said it perfectly. If you're a contender and you lose in the first round, you aren't a contender. And I think the only extenuating circumstance for this is like the West right now, where you could actually be the one seed and end up with LeBron and AD or Steph Curry and Draymond in the first round. That's a little bit different, I will say. But this is not that. Like, Miami is good. They're not LeBron good. Although, I guess they did technically meet in the finals last year, but they did lose, you know, pretty handily. So I think the point remains. But even so, I, I just think there's levels to this. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited. I think we're going to do a lot more coverage of this first round and dive deeper into the heat. I'm not really ready to do that yet, but probably have some, some, Miami Heat podcast or or ers maybe multiple who knows uh, we have a lot of time before the the series starts so it'll be Saturday or Sunday I believe so 
plenty of time to preview the matchup and get more in depth. But I do just think, you know, and I don't think if the Bucks win this year, it invalidates the Heat's win last year. I've already seen that talking point. I don't really understand that. Like, things just change. I don't know why. There's a lot of differences. There's, both there's just always this desire. There's always this desire on Twitter. And I think Twitter is the worst about it. I mean, you know, sports talk radio and stuff does the same stuff, ESPN and everything else. But it's always like, how basic can we boil something that happens down to? Like, what's the... What what does this mean in one sentence or less? And I just hate that so much. Like, the Bucks are better. The Heat are different. I don't want to say worse anymore. I gave up trying to understand the Miami Heat. They always, like, have this huge upswing right before the playoffs and find themselves ready. Hashtag Heat culture. Udonis Haslam getting thrown out for punking Dwight Howard and everything else. Honestly, but, I respect that so much. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's 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 one of the greatest seasons you can have. You put in three minutes of work. And you get to, you know, mess with Dwight in that time. That's that man earned millions of dollars. Contract. He earned millions of dollars this year. That's what he did. That was it. That was and off court stuff, whatever. But on the court, that's what he did. Like that's that's just incredible. Like what an accomplishment. Not as a basketball player, but just as a human. That that is that is your NBA career at this point. Shouts to Bag Chaser uh U D. But now I forgot what I was saying. Oh, but yeah, just the just boiling down takes and everything. Um and, and the Heat, yeah, I don't the Heat are always playoff ready. Uh they're really good at that. But I don't know if they're better or worse this year. But either way, the Bucks are better. And I think if they win, it doesn't mean they're bubble ball frauds. I just think it it's a different situation. I don't want to take anything away from a good Miami team that, you know, beat three opponents in a row in the playoffs last year. And they earned that. And I don't I just don't understand the the drive to take things away. Like that, it, I feel like every all the focus is always about invalidating something. It's never about you know celebrating an accomplishment or anything else, and which is unfortunate. But I don't know. That's my soapbox for the episode. I think I'm going to step off it now. <laughs> I mean, it's fair enough. I agree with everything you just said. But also, I want to say, like, if the Bucks do, like, obviously they do have to face this Miami Heat team in the first yes. round. I think it could be very, very beneficial for them. Considering it serves as a tune-up for more difficult matchups that'll face them ahead. Like they're going to, if they're playing in the second round, it's going to be Nets Bucks uh, (laughs) round two. That's going to be, oh my goodness, that's going to be insane. Uh, And then they're going to have to play the Wizards or the Sixers in the conference finals if they get past the Nets. Like it's, it's really difficult to see like, you really snuck wizard sixers in there didn't you yes I, you're a menace you didn't even give them nicks wizard sixers that's brutal i mean the wizards have been absolutely incredible the last couple games last third of the season almost like what are they 24 and 3 in their last like 27 games that russ has a triple double or something like that it's just what a wildly cherry pick stat it's not okay well Whatever. The Wizards have a chance. All, that's all I'm saying. Whether right, that's yeah. Philly slander or Wizards hate or appreciation, who's to say? Uh, but what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So this Heat series could serve as really a warm-up and chance to really get things right. Because this Heat team is going to test Milwaukee. They're going to be at a coaching disadvantage, as they were last year. And that's what cost them, realistically. However, the Bucks now have a large personnel disparity between the two teams. Miami is not the same. 
Trevor Ariza is sort of filling in for that Jay Crowder role. He's been playing more and more in that role recently, which has been good for them, which is why they've been winning a lot more recently. Jimmy Butler has been playing at a first-team All-NBA level. Bam Adebayo got punked by Brooke Lopez on Saturday, but he's still really good. Uh, We've seen that in the postseason last year. There's just a lot of avenues for this Heat team to still pose trouble to this Milwaukee Bucks team. I do not think they're going to win the series, the Miami Heat is, that is. I do think that they will serve as a great warm-up for Brooklyn, for Philly. It'll be good for this team if they get a little bit challenged, because we saw last year, they did get challenged by Orlando. They lost game one, and then they still didn't figure out their problems and still managed to win the next four games, which didn't help them when it came time for the Miami series, because they were practicing and doing the same mistakes over and over again. Just the competition was so low that they were winning the games anyway. So they didn't really have to change anything. Now they're going to have to adjust. They're going to have to do things because this Miami Heat team is going to come at them full strength. And they know what their weaknesses are based on years past. So they're really going to get tested here. But I think that could be good for them. Yeah, I think the two things generally that I'm most excited about for the playoffs this year. And I think playing Miami first kind of just puts it all up front more. And, you know, we don't have to like wade through a very boring Bucks Celtics or I guess Wizards could get exciting like you keep saying, but a, a more boring, less exciting first round series against the worst team. But I think the first one is we we've talked about it so much, but I think it's not just like it's not just Drew Holiday himself, but making it so, you know, it's not two guys on the Bucks, it's three guys on the Bucks. I just think that sounds so simple and it's probably overly simplistic. But I do think in the NBA, like adding the third guy and, you know, making formally the second guy, either now the third guy outright or the co-second guy or whatever, is just so hugely important. And it like is going to take all the playoff load off of players like Brooke Lopez, who is still going to be helpful and is like moving into playing down low more, which I think is great and rolling. We talked about, I think like weeks ago, he was actually a really efficient roller this season. That's continued and and even intensified, I think that's good. But, you know, those guys all have easier times now that it's not, you know, Giannis being overmatched and not having enough help, and Chris is, you know, really showing up some games and then not. And then after that, it's like Bledsoe, two years ago, Brogdon sometimes when he was available. So having uh, Drew and Chris and Giannis all out there for a good amount of the game, and at least one or two of them should be out there, all game long. That's a huge difference, even from the last year against Miami, right? I mean, the the Heat shut down the the Giannis Drew pick and roll, and, and the Bucks were like, oh, well, we're kind of done here. Now it's like that ball can get kicked out to Drew Holiday. You can do something completely different, or you know, or to Chris or to whoever. So I think that's just going to be so great to see for this team. And then second, and Cam actually just hit on this in the chat. I, this is the one thing no one's talking about with the Bucks in the playoffs this year. Everyone's talking about dunker spot and switching and Drew and everything else. And obviously we're guilty too. I just talked about a lot of those things. But I think playoff Giannis is going to be better than he's ever been before. And I think that like them getting killed the way they did in the last two playoffs, obviously a lot of negatives to take away from that. But I've always thought that like I, I don't know – and I don't think most people in good faith do this, but like writing off Giannis as a fraud or whatever, because he hasn't won a title. Like if you look at the great players in NBA history, 
since I will say like the three point era, so not like the very early ones. Outside of like Magic, pretty much all of like the generational talent superstar players fell down in the playoffs a ton before they went and and won it all. I guess Kobe you could consider too, but he also had you know that guy Shaq there with him, um, and Kobe didn't even really play his first year actually. But you know it just takes these players a while to figure out how to deal with everyone coming at them. I think LeBron is a great example. Michael Jordan got destroyed by the Pistons how many times? before finally breaking through. And I just think those losses crystallize what you need to get better at in such a concrete way. And I think the best kind of competitor is going to get way better for those experiences. We all know Giannis is that kind of competitor. I think he personally is going to be much more ready to attack a playoff defense, a barrier, if you will. And I think even outside of everything else, that alone could make a difference in a potential series. So I, it's it's hard not to be excited, I think, for this team, even if you are worried about the Heat. And they're a good team. I get it if you're a little bit worried. But I just think it, it's just a different equation this time around. And even if you assume like a built-in coaching disadvantage, the Bucks still have a lot of pluses on their column against Miami. For sure. I'm glad you touched on the mentality part of it because we <laughs> you need to remember these are – some of the most driven and motivated human beings on planet earth right you have to re- reach that level to sort of make it into this league and that's why you see so many just absolute uh what's the term i'm looking for here just uh i'll, I'll, I'll say mentality i'll say oh okay yeah, yeah that sort of energy uh with these star players and especially like these guys these like Giannis and chris like those two especially considering they've been here the longest they've been through it all of the lows that you can possibly have with a franchise, right? Like they've won 13 games in a season. They've flamed out in the conference finals. Like they've gone from one sort of pain to another sort of searing pain. And at some point you're going to break through these, these players are too good to not have a year where they're just like, okay, we are going to run through the wall, right? We are going to break out. We are going to do this because we are sick and tired of losing. And this might be the year. This might be the year because these these players they're locked in more than they ever have been. They have Drew Holiday now. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of good going for this Milwaukee Bucks team, which is why I think they can get to the finals. Like I think they can make it out of this Eastern Conference as talented as it may be. And given that they're going to have the most difficult path among the top three contenders to make it to the finals, I think they can do it because of that mentality. Like they are ready to go. And I think it's their time to show it. I'm ready to run through a barrier now after hearing you talk about all this. Um, I'm hearing in the Euro group discord that Android users may not be able to see the comments or the chat. So sorry, pals, but definitely get into that discord and we'll still be able to at least see what everyone is saying in there. Uh, even if the chat on the app isn't necessarily working to get in the discord tweet at Rohan or myself or the podcast, a screenshot of your subscribe, your rating and review on Apple. If you have Apple or otherwise just a screenshot of you listening to the Euro step and we'll get you in there. Uh, you can hang out, chat during the games, freak out when the Bucks can't inbound a basketball in a very important situation. All the good stuff that comes with being in the Euro Group Discord. 
Do you have any more playoff thoughts, Rohan? I have kind of a fun thing to to end this one on, a proposal at least, uh, unless you have anything more to look at for this season or the seeding catastrophe. And I will say it was kind of fun to track all these random games over the last week or so. Like it did add a little wrinkle that you really can't simulate any time besides like, when the seeding is this close to being done. Like I never thought I would be like checking my phone repeatedly like, how are the Cavs doing in this uh, this May game against the Nets here when they have nothing to play for? Is Are they pulling it out? Wait, are the, are the zombie Celtics going to beat the Knicks? Hold on a second. Uh, it, it was fun. It was. I mean, it didn't work out for the Bucks at all, but it was kind of fun. It was very entertaining. I will say that. I'm glad you brought that up. It was. It's more exciting than it has been in the past uh, few years. I guess we haven't really been in this situation as followers of the Milwaukee Bucks because they've been so far ahead of the pack for the one seed. So yeah. Is a new experience, but not just in general. Like the play-in, I think has worked really well. It's made these games really interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm good. I want to hear what this proposal is. I think we should talk about the uh, the young core a little bit. They're getting showcased in this game, and uh, if you listen to this the, the recording and, and you didn't hear me earlier, we are recording during the game, so we don't have the final yet. But right now, it's actually a pretty close game. I'm excited to hop back out and catch the end here. But you know. Jeff Teague stealing the show a little bit, but Jordan Wara leading the Bucks and scoring at least right now, nine for 13 from the field. The guy is a bucket. Uh, we've seen some really fun stuff from Diakite. Sam Merrill is also out there on the court tonight. Um, but what uh, what are you thinking about the, the guys on the young core right now? And I want us both to power rank the young core. We can debate exactly who's in it if you want to do that as well. But I just figured it'd be a good time to have this convo because, you know, for the next month plus, probably plus, we're going to be completely ignoring everybody on the Milwaukee Bucks except for the eight or nine players who are going to play in the playoff game. So this is a good last chance before the later parts of the offseason to talk about these guys. Yeah, this is the last time we're really going to see them until probably summer league. Yeah. Wow, wow, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of. A little sad. Um, so, I think I'm going to go with number one here. Like, it has to be, it has to be Jordan Wara, right? Yeah, he's he's won me over too, and I feel like I'm one of the Wara skeptics out there. For sure. Like we've had this debate uh, about a month ago now, right? Months, yeah, months so. about Jordan Wara versus Pat Connaughton, this sort of rotational uh, backup wing, stretch wing, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, and we were we were firmly on the side of playing Pat Connaughton because he actually knows how to play defense at a somewhat competent NBA level, unlike Jordan Wara, who just gets completely, completely lost out there. But the one thing that Wara has that really honestly puts him in the conversation and makes it like an actual discussion is that he is becoming or he seems like he is an elite scorer. Yeah. He has elite scoring potential, especially off the dribble. He sort of struggles a little bit in catch-and-shoot situations, which is very funny to me. But if he has the ball and he's creating his own shot, I feel like it's going in most of the time. Like, my goodness, this guy has a smooth off-the-dribble game. Like, his release is a little low. It's a little, it's a little herky-jerky, but it gets the job done. And it's, I don't know, I'm really, I'm really impressed with his scoring potential. The Bucks have to like all summer, like lock him in a room with Drew Holiday watching film. Or I guess he can do it digitally if you want. They can do it over Zoom. But like, I just need 
like it, like just inject defense into his veins as much as possible. He doesn't need to work on his scoring anymore. That's there. You already mentioned it. He's just a bucket. He's a flamethrower. Nine for 13 from the field right now. Guy has 21 points in 21 minutes. Like that's ridiculous production. But the flip side of Wara, minus eight in this game. I know single game plus minus. I know, I know, I know. But it's it's almost hard to have the team get outscored significantly in your minutes. When you have 20, you're scoring a point per minute. Like that's really strong production. That's just, that's the Wara experience right now. So I like that we're going to see him here in this game. I hope we see him a little bit more next season. Hopefully he can be more of a true bench player who gets in the games a little bit. Um, you know, becoming, going from objectively terrible to like normal bad on the defensive end. Suddenly I think Wara is like, would be a very intriguing bench player at the least. And, and I am very happy with that pick. That seems like a really nice pick for the Bucks. So I agree with you. Uh, Wara, number one on the young core, if we're just talking those, the, 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 the three rookies basically, or the three rookies they've had all year for my second guy. I'm going to go with Diakite, which Ooh. is actually different. I feel like I would have gone Merrill before, but I I don't think Merrill's acquitted himself super well over these last couple of weeks. I think he's trailed off just a little bit. And I still I don't think he's bad by any means. But, you know, the size is just going to be tough. The, the lack of burst comparatively. Maybe my judgment is clouded because he has two points on seven shots right at the moment. But – Mamadi Diakite has been making some stuff happen around the basket. He's springy. He's got bounce. I just, I like the tools. I like what we're seeing. He's a lot older than I remember thinking he was, which is not great. But, you know, nobody uh, nobody is older than Merrill, who's uh, still a rookie on the Bucks. So, uh, at least when you're comparing those two, that's not as much of a, a negative for Diakite. Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's what, like 18 months uh Younger than Giannis, Sam Merrill is. I I love the I love any time a player new to the league is like X months younger than Giannis. It's always so funny to me. But yeah, I believe so. This is year eight for Giannis, which is <laughs> just pure insanity. But yeah, Sam like his jumper is good. Like we know yes. that we've seen that in years past. Like not years past, games past, I should say. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's been shooting them for several years, so. Yes, yes, but I was not watching wherever you went to school. Utah State. Utah State, yes. baby. Okay, I actually got that right. Let's go. Um, yeah, I don't know what potential he really has besides being like a catch-and-shoot, three-point shooter. I mean, I like the handle. I just, I don't know. I feel, I do think sometimes, like, was it Kobe White who just absolutely stuffed him early in the first quarter in this game when he was going to the basket? Like, I do think you just hit a point where, if you're just a little bit too unathletic, it just isn't going to work out for you. And I don't, I'm not saying Merrill's there, but I'm worried he might be there. And I, the Diakite experience, I'm just in, very intrigued by it. I like the fact that, you know, he really grinded his way to being in this conversation. Like he wasn't really around at all to start the year. And he played so well in the bubble, the the the, the gubble, the G League bubble, that he kind of got himself back with the Bucks. And obviously it ended, so that helped him too. But I do think his performance down there, was big for Diakite getting some run, some real looks this season. We've just seen so little from really all of these guys, but I do. I'm excited by the fact that we can have at least some sort of a debate and talk about this and be excited about these guys. Considering 
you know, the Bucks used pick 45, 60, and then Tiakite was undrafted. And we're sitting around at least sort of looking ahead like, ah, one to two of these guys could be a legit role player in a year or two. That's that's a good find. That's the kind of like Raptors-esque thing the Bucks have not been good enough at. Now they need to follow it up by not losing these players to Detroit and Houston, please. <laughs> you want me to throw another name in there? Sure. Elijah Bryant. Yeah, I was just going to say, we should probably talk about Elijah Bryant. So he is actually playing his first game as Milwaukee Buck right now. Uh, what is he at right now? 5 of 12 from the field for 12 points. You know, It's his first NBA game, actually, as well, I believe. Yeah, first NBA game. He's one of five from three. Like, whatever, it's fine. Like, the thing is, he's shown he can play at the international level. Like, uh, he's been with Maccabi Tel Aviv for two years, and he's shot near basically 40% from three. Like, he, he puts up points. Like, I don't know. He has potential. He has scoring potential. He's not an insanely bad defensive liability from what I've seen. Like, there's some sort of potential there. Like, He's he's a year older than Sam Merrill. <laughs> Is he really older than Sam Merrill? Yeah, he's twenty six. Oh my god, the young core! <laughs> what a young core the Bucks have. The youngest young core player is Wara, I think. Yeah, who's actually decently young, right? Twenty two. Okay, twenty two I mean, is like, young. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ideally, like maybe it's the one who's like nineteen. Yeah, well, you know, uh, when you don't draft in the top 40, it can be pretty difficult to get young core-worthy 19-year-olds, it turns out. Fair enough. But, and plus, it, like experience is not a bad thing. Like, this Bucks team has seen that. So, you know, can't, you can't judge a, judge a person by their age. Exactly. That's, that's ageism. It's, you're exactly right that you can't do that. I agree. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Brian. Part of me just, like... So far, and obviously, you know, we have however many minutes of a sample, and that's all we're going to have until Summer League, as you pointed out. But it just kind of gives me vibes of, like, less fun Wara, but definitely I, I do think a little more polished on the defensive end. I, I do think, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I feel like if the, he would push anyone amongst the quote-unquote young core, it would be Merrill. Like, they're the, I think they're both 6'5". They're both that kind of combo guard archetype. So I do think it's interesting that that's the guy they bring in because pretty obviously, like Elijah Bryant was not brought in to play on on this in this playoff run, right? Like this was a eye toward the future thing, and clearly the Bucks were pretty excited to get him. I mean, I think the reported buyout was five hundred k to bring him over. Now it's it's such a was that confirmed? I missed that. That I that I've heard it as like the rumor, like they negotiated it down or whatever, but. Um, I just think it's fa- the whole thing is fascinating if you really think about it. And we've just been so caught up in seeding and Miami and everything else. But like, he did. There's no. I. I. He's not going to play in the playoffs. I, I'm very certain of this. Not reporting. I mean, of you, course, d- you never know. He might get the Tim Frazier Memorial five second game. True. He's not going to play more than a Tim Frazier Memorial five second game in the playoffs. Um, but there was such this rush to buy him out and get him over. So. I would guess the Bucks worried they, they could have potentially lost out if they had waited and not paid the buyout to get him over early and, and clear up the roster spot, which clearing up the roster spot was dope, not going to lie. But I, I don't know. I'm very interested to see like how they look at him long term because like we just talked about him. He's 26 years old. I don't think 
is exactly a, a, a long-term developmental prospect. But I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. I, I would slot him in at least tentatively to be on the roster next year, considering the the 500k ponied up to bring him over uh, back to the U.S. So I, I guess you know maybe not great news for the future stock of Sam Merrill. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's also like you can't take too many swings, right? Oh yeah, it, for sure. It, it doesn't hurt, especially like but, yeah. But it just, he just happens. He happens to line up with that position is what I find a little interesting. Yeah, which is also the position that the Bucks need the most. <laughs> that's yeah, is, it's a great point. That's which a great is what point. My real thinking is here, so I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a better way to look at it. A couple of Utah boys battling it out. Did he go to Utah too? Oh, went to BYU. Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 yeah. I probably wouldn't call him a. Elon, a uh, Utah boy. I don't think he's from Utah, but Sam Merrill is Utah boy for real. But yeah, um, I don't know. What do you, do you have a strong take on Elijah Bryant? Not really. Yeah, I, we just haven't seen any. We haven't seen right. a lot. We just have no sample whatsoever. It's just it'll be tough. It'll be summer league. It'll be preseason. That that's what we're gonna see. He has as many assists as the rest of the young core. He has more assists than the rest of the young core combined. The Bucks right now in this game, in the fourth quarter, have 11 team assists. Teague has four. Elijah Bryant has three. And then uh, Diakite, Thanasis, Sam Merrill, and Justin Jackson all have one. And do we mention it is a five-point game. Do we mention Justin Jackson in this conversation? I guess I if, mean, if Elijah be. Bryant is in there. Yeah, I mean, like at least with Justin, we have some sort of sample here. He is by far the most proven of these players. For sure, for sure. Like we've actually seen him play like actual NBA basketball. Like especially like even this season, we've seen him play for OKC. Like that's not saying a lot, but we, we've seen him since like what, 17, 18 when he was playing for Sacramento. Yep, like yep. he was playing Four in seasons. a lot of games. He's logged nearly 250 career games, 248 after tonight. Like, there's definitely talent if he's stuck around this long and the Bucks yeah. have picked him up. Like, guys who just don't have it aren't going to stay in the league this long. So there's definitely something there that the Bucks see. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I had no strong opinions on him when they made the signing. I don't really have any more strong opinions on him now like he's been signed for essentially like what two three weeks something like that this is his only game yeah. he's played this in is I believe. His first yeah it's kind of weird but i mean they, they haven't they haven't punted that many games thankfully i do think what i think is nice about this setup of like having all these um, like what five now guys we just talked about is quote-unquote young core which really just means like unproven player that they've they've taken a flyer on at some point i think camp next year there'll be some interesting kind of battles because i would assume not all five end up making the roster. Maybe they will. Maybe the, the cap crunch will be that severe. But if you assume the five starters are back, or at least one of them is traded for another player, and then let's say they figure out or they keep PJ Tucker, which is not that hard. They figure out how to keep one of Forbes and Portis. Let's just say Portis. So that would be seven players, I think. And then, you know, add in a couple more vet signings, you know, draft Pat Condon, Pat, draft pick, Pat Condon. That's already like 10 players. And we already talked about five guys. So 
No guarantee that all five of these players are back next season, but I think the Bucks are in the driver's seat to retain any of the, the any of them that they would want to. So hopefully, what this means is we'll get some camp battles for the last couple of roster spots, which I think is just an all around good thing for for everyone. And that's how you grow these kind of. I think young core is just a funny term to use considering how old some of these guys are. But you see organizations around the league every year like find a 26 year old that nobody knew anything about. And suddenly he's a legit like NBA rotation player, which it's found money if you can do that and not pay a lot. I mean, this is like an extreme case of a W here, but Duncan Robinson who's more than a rotation player now and not exactly 19 years old. So this kind of thing does happen. So I like that the bucks are taking more shots on this kind of a player and less, Paul Gasol situations going on. Oh my God. Bucks legend Paul Gasol. If you go back and look at a Bucks roster out of like any of these random years, like I was looking at 2018, 19, and the 25 or whatever players who suited up for the Bucks, it's just such a wild ride. Like Isaiah Cannon, Bonzi Colson. Yeah, Isaiah Cannon. They they had him for like two games. Paul Gasol. Yeah. Wait, hold on a second. Oh they, my they, God, had, they, did. they had Isaiah Cannon and Tim Frazier on the same on the same roster in one year. Jason Smith, don't forget the legend Jason Smith. Oh my God, I forgot about him. Not really a legend. Jalen Morris, one of their fifteen two way players that year. Wow, this is taken. I just I'm looking at this list right now, and my goodness, a lot, a lot, right? It's twenty four different players at least played one game with the Bucks. Trayvon Duvall, who I thought. Had real potential, but I don't think it's worked out so far. We'll Bonzi see. Bonzi Colson's an MVP, though. <laughs> of our hearts, for sure, here on the Eurostep. Um, no, he won MVP somewhere no, in Europe. No, I know. I, okay, really, really convincing me. Somewhere in Europe. What a res- I, I mean, like, it, hey, shout out to Bonzi Colson. No, I shout out to Bonzi. Shout out to Bonzi, for sure. Um, and Delhi playing He's 12 younger than games Elijah Bryant. Year. That's not shocking. Medelli playing 12 games on the Bucks this year is not something I remembered, but holy hell were they bad. Okay, that's enough randomly looking at Bucks basketball reference pages. We have off-season pods for more of that. Rohan, is there anything else that you wanted to, to cover on this evening as we wrap up the Bucks regular season? They're 40-something and uh, 20-something this year. <laughs> <laughs> we're so good. Uh, uh, we're pros. We're pros. Um, no, I just I want to say like this has been it's been the most interesting regular season over the past like three years. It's been it's been a ride. It's been it's been fun to look at games with a different perspective. Like I feel like I was watching regular season games through a different lens than I have been in years past, which has been a good experience. I think this was a really really fun regular season. I'm glad it's over though. I'm really glad it's over. <laughs> Because now it's go time. Yeah. It is go time. It is time to prove what this team has, what they want to do, what they can do, who these players are, who the personnel are, what their strategies are. It is prove it time. And we're here, Ty. We've made it. They're going to be facing the Miami Heat in the first round of the playoffs come Saturday or Sunday. The uh, timings have not been decided yet. But it's time. It's go time. Put up or shut up time, Ty. Let's do it. I can't wait. I, I'm also very excited. As much as we preach, regular season, still good, still a good product, still worth watching. This is the main event. This is what we have been waiting for. 
Drew Holiday, Milwaukee Bucks, playoff basketball coming soon. Giannis, better than ever. Chris Middleton going to be in a perfect role for his offensive skill set. So much to look forward to, man. The Mike Budenholzer redemption tour. We'll see. No, TBD, also, TBD also on that one. Jim but. Paschke swan song. Yes, yes. That's a great call. Um, his Did you watch the interview with him and Giannis yet, the last yeah, one? Yeah, that was, that was a ride. I got a little emotional. Go go watch how, that. I'm Bucks how could you not? Go watch that. Yeah, uh, Mr. Jim. Yeah, Justin put it great in the chat. Win the ring for Paschke. You have to. You really you have do. to do it. Like, after the first round, he's done, right? Uh, I think, yeah, just they, they do a couple games in the first round, and then that's going to be it, so... Wow, we're coming up on the last four. The Bucks have to figure out like a simulcast or something. I mean, if they're in the finals, like get Paschke calling game seven. It's like we'll we'll stream it like Euchre, man. Like figure out the technology there. That has to happen if the Bucks are actually in a position to win the damn thing. Yep. Win it for Jim, Milwaukee. Let's do that. And I think that is a great place to wrap up this episode of the Eurostep, which we are doing live on Locker Room. Thank you to everyone who's been here for the whole time. We're just, you know, popping in and out. Like, we, we appreciate you. If you if you are listening to this as a podcast, make sure to give us a follow on Locker Room. Do that. Um, but overall, however you're listening, thank you for listening. As always, make sure you are subscribed on your podcast platform of choice. And more importantly, if you're on Apple, make sure to leave a review. Leave a rating, that five-star rating. Uh, also tell your all of your friends and family about the show check out all of the great content across the blue wire podcast network we're going to be going hard for the playoffs as we always do so this is going to be fun lots of content from us coming soon uh lots of lots of big things happening coming soon so thank you stay safe everyone and we will talk to you next time